Welcome to 10.5, the official podcast of the OPP Association. I am Scott Mills. And I'm Josh Jutras. We are the Strategic Communications Coordinators for the OPP Association and your host for the 10.5 podcast, the official podcast of the OPP Association. The OPP Association is the sole bargaining agent for close to 10,000 members of the Ontario Provincial Police in Canada. Our members are our focus and our strength. We aim to provide important information to our members and the public about matters that affect policing in the province of Ontario. And on this episode, our guest is OPP Acting Detective Sergeant John Armit of the OPP's Anti-Rackets Branch and deployed to the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre. And we are talking about cryptocurrency investment frauds. John, thanks for doing this and welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks for having me. March is Fraud Prevention Month uh, in uh, Canada, and uh, is that in Canada or is that in uh, Ontario, John? Yes, that's a a Canadian initiative that the Anti-Fraud Center runs. So it's, we're in March now and it's Fraud Prevention Month, and uh, that prompted the interest in this topic, and uh, many of us have many questions about... uh, the cyber enabled frauds these days and particularly related to uh, cryptocurrency investments so we're very much looking forward to your tips to providing us with awareness and uh, tips for ourselves or family members uh, about what to do if we become a victim of this john so i'm gonna turn it uh turn it over to josh here uh, so, John, I want to start uh, with the basics. What's the focus for this year's Fraud Prevention Month? Thanks. That's a great question there, Josh. Well, this year's National Fraud Prevention Campaign is focused on impersonation scams and various frauds that prey on vulnerable uh, consumers and businesses. And in many of these scams, suspects pose as trusted individuals or even a family member in order to steal a victim's money or personal information. John, I understand that 2021 has been a challenging year for victims of fraud. Uh, Can you tell us uh, what you've been seeing at the uh, Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre, otherwise known as CAFC? If you hear us saying CAFC, that's what we're talking about in this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the pandemic continues to pose financial challenges and uncertainty for many Canadians, whether it's illness, job loss or loneliness. Financial emergencies can be stressful and cause major hardship. And the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre is receiving an unprecedented number of reports from victims of fraud, including cryptocurrency investment scams that we're going to talk to today. Uh, in 2021, it was a historic year for frauds reported at the Anti-Fraud Centre and the OP. According to the Anti-Fraud Centre, uh, our reported losses were $379 million. It's a dramatic increase from 2020 which uh, had 164 million in losses reported at the Anti-Fraud Centre. And of that, Ontario, rep- Ontario residents represented 142 million of those 379 million in losses in 2021. And even more disturbing is the fact that that's an estimate of only 5% of victims who report their frauds to law enforcement or the Anti-Fraud Centre. Yeah, that's a staggering number, only 5%, because I, I, you know, the next question here is how significant are cryptocurrency frauds, but I feel like if you're only skimming the surface here, it's pretty significant stuff. Absolutely, and it has a massive impo- impact on individuals' uh, financial um, health and also our economy. 
And, you know, with crypto-related investment frauds, they continue to increase at an unseen level in Canada and are currently the most prevalent form of investment frauds that are being reported to the Anti-Fraud Centre. And I can give you some numbers um, dating back to 2015 to showcase how prolific this, uh, this fraud trend is. Um, so in 2015, the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre received only 159 reports related to cryptocurrency frauds. In 2020, that number jumped to 9,097 crypto-related reports, representing a 5,600% increase, just staggering. And then if we look at 2021, investment frauds represented 163 million of the total 379 million in losses reported at the Anti-Fraud Centre. So with cryptocurrency payments to fraudsters, we have seen them jump from 23 million in 2020 to 77.5 million in 2021 and we can see this trend uh, continue to expand in 2021 or 22 and beyond well john i've learned a lot in the media um, and on social media about cryptocurrency frauds uh, that's been in the news a lot lately how exactly are people losing their money well the fraudsters are using technology and they're also using social engineered tactics to defraud canadians whether it's a spoof phone number spoof website uh, spoofed, spoofed investment opportunity that you're receiving, they're quickly changing their tactics to deceive victims, which make investigating these type of crimes extremely time-consuming and challenging uh, due to the global nature of all the fraudsters and the bad actors around the world. John, how would you say a victim is typically approached and then defrauded in a crypto scam? Well, victims are commonly approached via social media websites, platforms or other uh, forms like dating websites. We've even seen Facebook Messenger being used, uh, uh, Google Hangouts, what have you. Uh, some, some cases we're seeing even uh, recreational um, websites, for instance, uh, Scrabble online, and they're targeting individuals that way. In some cases, the frauds can start as a romance scam and quickly turn into an investment opportunity. Either way, the suspects convince the victims to invest in an initial uh, investment opportunity with this form of small payments. Um, after sending the first payment, the suspect is able to convince the victims to continue investing, uh, which can lead to a very high dollar loss. And we're seeing, you know, in some cases, they're asking you to put $200 on your credit card to start your investment opportunities into a crypto. And then from there, uh, the fraudsters are showing how much your investment has jumped. And it continues to jump until some point where the investor wants to take their money out. And then the fraudsters turn around and ask for uh, money in the form of a taxes in order to water down your account. And this is just another ruse to get more money out of you. And then we're seeing uh, in the back end uh, recovery opportunities to get your crypto back. And this is all just part, part, part and parcel of the scam. So in some cases, the victims will have compromised a friend's social media accounts. And, or pose as a, a social media influencer, for instance, on uh, Instagram. And the victim, they end up believing they're communicating with a friend or a trusted person, and they're e easily convinced to take advantage of this investment opportunity. So, John, how how do the fraudsters communicate uh, with the victim? I, I notice you're saying all these different apps. I, I tend to play around with this stuff and see kind of what the scams are coming my way, and I find a on telegram you get a bunch of them um, how are they communicating with victims 
Absolutely. And as I mentioned, this is a globalized fraud and it's organized crime uh, throughout the world. So, you know, with the advent of uh, technology around the world, um, they're just a fingertip away from, from contacting the, the victims. So what, like you're saying, we're seeing um, different applications being used to contact the victims uh, directly, uh, for instance, such as WhatsApp or what have you. And this starts off the communication, which can sometimes lead to the victim uh, looking to invest in cryptocurrency. In many cases, a suspect acts for most remote access to the victim's computer, uh, and the suspect shows the victim a fraudulent cryptocurrency investment website, convinces them to invest based on potential exponential growth of their investment. In many cases, the victim will invest over a long period of time, and in the end, as I mentioned, they realize the funds cannot be withdrawn. Yeah, it's crazy how prevalent this was. I, I About a month ago, I had somebody do a really poor impression of Tony Robbins and was direct messaging me on LinkedIn to try and get me to do to one of these crypto sites. It was it was quite bizarre that um, that was out there and really took me aback because, I mean, I wasn't falling for it, but my worry is somebody else out there may actually see, oh my goodness, Tony Robbins is direct messaging me and may actually bite on something like this. So it's just kind of elaborating on what you were saying before. How are these fraudsters reaching out to potential victims with this? You're absolutely right. Well, on Friday, I received a call from a victim um, in eastern Ontario, and she received a Facebook messenger uh, request from comedian Jim Carrey. Right. And so the victim literally thought she was talking with Jim Carrey, and eventually... Um, the suspects were asking for some sort of payment uh, to pay for his fuel costs of his private jet to come to Canada and seemed like he would have a uh, difficulty coming to Canada. And the, the fraudster asked if the victim can start communicating with uh, Jim Carrey's uh, management company and wanted a form of cryptocurrency. So that's, so that's a variation. But sometimes victims can even receive an email offering a crypto, crypto investment opportunity or the victim comes across advertisement on social media and they jump on the bait. And after the victim clicks on the ad, it provides contact information for the suspects. Uh, and then the suspects can contact the victim back via telephone. And then that's where they start to convince them to, uh, to invest. Unbelievable. Uh, I've definitely heard of and uh, people come to me quite frequently saying that they've been quite frankly, ripped off by this. And there tends to be a, a definite intertwining of like romance scams and stuff like that. So uh, John, I was wondering uh, what are what are the methods that these fraudsters actually receive the funds from the victims? Absolutely. Well, I can break down the various methods of, of uh, payments that we're seeing at the Anti-Fraud Center and give you some sort of staggering stats. So the first most prevalent uh, method of remittance from the victim to the suspect is wire transfer. That's still number one in Canada. So the victims are asked to send large quantity of payments by wire transfer to international bank accounts, believing that that money will then go into uh, investing into cryptocurrency wallet. Um, and then the suspects will show the victim how much their investment has jumped. So in 2021, uh, wire transfers represented $140 million in losses. The next is, is crypto payments. So the victims are encouraged to register an account on a reputable uh, crypto exchange, deposit or transfer funds into their account, and then they're asked to transfer money to the suspects, Bitcoin, Ethereum, 
or Dogecoin or another form of cryptocurrency address. And so as of 2021, cryptocurrency payments related to frauds uh, were 77.5 million. The next is uh, e-transfers. And based on the reporting that we're seeing at the Anti-Fraud Center, victims are increasingly sending e-transfers to suspects' cryptocurrency addresses. Uh, in most cases, the victims are able to or asked to send funds to a reputable cryptocurrency company, not realizing that the payments are sent directly to the suspects' Bitcoin, Ethereum, or other crypto addresses. So in 2021, that represented 10.1 million in reported losses. And the last one we're going to talk about is credit cards. So as I mentioned, we're seeing reports where the victims are asked for initial payment to start their endeavors into the cryptocurrency world. Typically, it's around $200. So the reports have been received uh, indicating that, you know, there are payments that they see on their credit card, and that represented 4.2 million reported losses. And what's interesting is if a lot of our, our members or victims um, consider sending the reports to the Canadian Fraud Center, sometimes we can disrupt or even um, return um, a wire transfer uh, and get money back. John, I know there's legitimate and real cryptocurrencies out there, and you know they're a legitimate part of somebody's investment portfolios, but obviously there's a lot of fraud going out there. So what are some of the warning signs of a cryptocurrency fraud? Absolutely, that's a great question. So we'll break down the warning signs here. I have a bunch of them. Um, the first is that the investment opportunities are higher than normal returns. And you can find this information out on a lot of the, the investment platforms to show what your return on investment would be. So if it's outside those norms, that's a, certainly a red flag. As we mentioned, with unsolicited telephone num uh, calls to your phone, uh, emails, or social media investment offers that may pop up. So unless you're seeking to invest, I would always be cautious of any of these sort of pop-up offers. Also, they tend to have displays of urgency that you don't miss out. So it's it's kind of forcing that social pressure on, on individuals to say, okay, we got to get into this or else we're going to miss out on the next big thing. And as you mentioned, um, individuals that meet on dating sites or social media sites um, where the victims quickly attempt to convince you that they're in love with you, and then also to invest in cryptocurrency opportunities. That, that certainly should be a red flag. Um, we just posted our uh, Valentine's Day um, social media post on the OP um, corporate communications, and my uh, tagline on that was, love shouldn't cost a thing. So if you're dating someone and they instantly start asking for money, especially crypto, that's, that's another red flag. The other one is um, when friends tell you about a cryptocurrency investment opportunity via social media or email. So, you know, if you haven't talked to a friend in a while and they start reaching out to you, I would probably suggest give the friend a call and say, hey, <laughs> did you send that to me? Is this true? Maybe we can talk about it. Another form is uh, cold phone calls from crypto investment companies and then ads posted on the internet or social media um, or requests to transfer your crypto investment, which you've already started, perhaps to another alternative crypto address. This is all quite frightening uh, because this is everywhere. Um, I echo Josh's concern earlier when he said that, you know, people like us, we're not clicking on this stuff, but reasonable people will click on it. I know people who have got themselves involved with this. I actually know people that they, they staunchly stand by that investing in crypto is going to get you a 50% return. And these are people that I know 
you know, close associates with. So how do you protect yourself, kind of figure out what's what's for real and what's not uh, when you're investing in, in cryptocurrency? And how do you invest in cryptocurrency with confidence? Absolutely. Well, I have some tips here that our members and their family members can, um, can consider when they're thinking to invest. So always be careful when sending any sort of form of crypto. Um, once the transaction is complete, it's unlikely to be reversed. So once it goes overseas into another account, there's a challenge on getting any form of that cryptocurrency back. And as the proceeds in crime and money laundering or anti-money laundering regimes around the world start to regulate frameworks that treat businesses dealing with cryptocurrencies as money business services, um, Canadians really need to start doing research to ensure that they're investing in reputable and compliant services. So, you know, do your due diligence. I always say if we got fingers on each hand, let them fly in Google or, or whatever search engine and type in that sort of opportunity. And then, you know, you can add the Boolean search plus fraud and see what comes up. That's a, that's a great tip. Um, if you receive any suspicious messaging from a trusted friend, reach out to them through different means of communication to confirm that that is actually them. And just like regular investing, um, we always suggest you verify the investment companies to see if they're actually registered with the various provincial securities agencies. And you can do this through the National Registration Search Tool, which is www.aretheyregistered.com. And this will tell you whether they're registered or not. And if they're not, then I would question, um, you know, considering moving forward with this investment opportunity. I have a few more here. So prior to investing, ask for information about the investment. And like I said, do the research on the team behind who's offering this investment opportunity and analyzing the feasibility of this pro project. Because we, we often see people that are very smart financial people that are falling to this ruse. Um, last two is be wary of individuals you meet on dating websites or social media who attempt to educate and convince you to invest in the cryptocurrency. And don't send your crypto investments on a legitimate exchanges to other crypto addresses. I'm just going to clarify one thing. I think you said, said that that website was aretheyregistered.com. It's actually aretheyregistered.ca. It was just a slip of the tongue. I just brought right. it up here. Uh, looks like a tremendous resource. So we'll, we'll make sure that's in the show notes, um, uh, John. And... Um, we understand that there are many challenges for law enforcement to investigate these cyber-enabled crimes, and uh, wondering if you could elaborate on this. Absolutely. Well, we're seeing that many members of our organization are unaware of what supports or assistance the Anti-Rackets Branch, or you had our uh, guest, uh, Detective Sergeant Vern Crawley of the OP Cyber Investigative Teams, uh, or what the Canadian Fraud Center can provide uh, with their fraud investigations. We can trace crypto. We have the software. Um, some crypto isn't traceable. Most are. Uh, and we've seen with our statistics that most of the criminals are using Bitcoin. And Bitcoin is on the ledger and we can trace it. We've had success tracing cryptocurrency, writing production orders, and getting those results back. So members can also find extensive resources and guides on our Anti-Rackets webpage, which is not public-facing and our Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre webpage on our OPP's Connection intranet page. 
Um, members can find our webpage through the tools section if they type in simply fraud and they'll find um, five, four icons that we've created that make the searching really easy for, for our members. And their members can reach out to me or uh, other um, anti-rackets members uh, to be given investigative suggestions and tips because these frauds are very overwhelming, they're daunting, and officers um, uh, are fearful at times of investigating some, things, some of these crimes because they just don't know how to proceed, and we're there to help. John, how can victims of crypto investment frauds report those incidents? Yeah, so if you have or even think that you've been a victim of cryptocurrency frauds, we're trying to tell people don't be ashamed. As we talked about in the numbers, it's staggering. A lot of people are getting hit with these types of scams. So I always say report to your local police of jurisdiction, your police service, and to the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre. And the Anti-Fraud Centre has an online reporting system which is relatively painless and easy to navigate. And you can upload your information and report it. Or you can provide uh, a phone call to us. Our call centre is open and our call centre employees are very knowledgeable and they're there to help and assist and they can give you some suggestions and guidance. And even if you aren't a victim but you think you have information about a scam or fraud, we suggest to report it to the Canadian Fraud Centre. As I mentioned, the majority of the cryptocurrency fraudsters prefer Bitcoin, and as I said, in most cases, it can be traced using software. And the Anti-Fraud Center, we work closely with the OP cybercrime teams. Uh, we work closely with uh, police services across Canada and internationally to insist with crypto tracing investigations or other uh, cyber fraud incidents. So John, I'm just going to repeat that number for uh, if you want to call and report one eight 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 four nine five eight five zero one is the uh, canadian anti-fraud center and you're i uh, just want to confirm you're con you're saying report to your local police and report it to the canadian anti-fraud center absolutely we find that sometimes some members in other police services aren't aware what the canadian fraud center can do uh, we're encouraging our members to send their fraud reports to us we have a specific law enforcement uh, email address where we can get that information and so if a member of the organization sends the reports and then we also have information from the victim, we can conduct traces, uh, deconfliction of other ongoing investigations and send that back to the investigator. And often we proactively reach out to police services where victims have contacted us. So we refer those cases back to those police of jurisdiction. Okay, so awareness and education are definitely uh, key, uh, key things you've been talking about here. Can you give us some specific resources for people to learn more about cyber-enabled frauds, please, John? Absolutely. Well, the Canadian Fraud Centre, one of our major goals is uh, awareness, education, and prevention. And we have uh, members of our senior support unit that are volunteers. They provide presentations to community services and, and organizations across Canada. Um, we issue bulletins. Uh, on different fraud trends that we're seeing and we have a pretty quick turnaround time to get these bulletins out. We issue media releases and advisories. For instance, there was a recent advisory put out uh, on the government tarot's um, refunds for permits and we saw before you know it, the fraudsters starting to send um, phishing email scams with a link inside text messages. So we're very active in posting information and Businesses and organizations can be added to our distribution list or even members of our organization. 
So we can find that at partners at antifraudcenter.ca. So members can send an email to that, uh, that email address, partners at antifraudcenter.ca, to receive all of the bulletins and all the information I mentioned above. We're very active on social media. We have a Twitter account, at Canadian Antifraud. So it's at C-A-N-A-N-T-I Fraud. We have a Facebook account, Canadian Fraud Center, and we have our website, which is CanadianAntifraudCenter.ca. I'm just going to add to what went to that uh, Ontario Securities Commission. I signed up for uh, their e-blast on the GetSmarterAboutMoney.ca site, and I find them uh, really helpful too. So, John, it's it's been a pleasure to have you on the on the 10, uh, 10 Pine podcast with us. So we uh, we're really uh, grateful that you've taken the time to join our show. I'm sure you're you're quite busy, and uh, I'm just going to turn it over to Josh here to take us home. And that is our episode for this week. New episode drops next Friday, and all episodes are always available on our blog at oppa.ca slash media. If you like what you hear, please use the subscribe button on your podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For Scott Mills, I'm Josh Jutras, and from everyone here at the OPP Association, thanks for listening, and be safe.